From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. News for October 1, 2017. Reading news this week, I'm Graham VK4BB and making news this week, July to September, the period of the Ted Powell Memorial DX Challenge has now closed. Entries are open only until October 14. North American SSB Sprint Contest, originally scheduled for this weekend, has been postponed. This year's final planned search and rescue exercise based around missing aircraft VHMDX was conducted on September 15-17. The repeater VK3 RTV that serves Melbourne and Geelong with digital television is closing. Australis Oscar 5 recalled at a book launch and ACMA receives new chair. The Australian Communications and Media Authority recently had a new chair appointed by the federal government. Nerida O'Loughlin will take over for a five-year term. She replaces Richard Bean, who had been deputy chair since 2010 and has served as acting chair since February 2016. The Harold E. Holt station reaches 50-year milestone. Australia and the USA have just celebrated the 50-year anniversary of the official commissioning of Naval Communication Station Harold E. Holt in Exmouth, West Australia, VK6. The station provides VLF communication services in support of Australian, US and allied submarines and has strengthened the relationship between Australia and the US. The VLF antenna array covers over 400 hectares. The antennas are a large spider web of wires supported in a top hat arrangement using 13 towers, the tallest nearly 400 metre high. In 1992, command of the base was officially passed from the US Navy to the Royal Australian Navy. The contributions made by the Anzacs during World War I in Belgium 100 years ago was commemorated by a special remembrance of the Battle of Polygon Wood this past week. Philippe, ON8PV, reports that a lot of folk from Australia had been busy on site in preparation to remember the fallen 5,770 Australian casualties. That was some 5,770, with some 15,400 casualties along the whole front for Polygon Wood In a week, in two short but deemed successful battles, the Australians lost over 10,000 men to advance the Allied line in Belgium just a few thousand yards. A dawn service was held Tuesday, September 26, with wreath laying by officials from Belgium, Australia, New Zealand and Britain. Royal Union of Belgium Radio Amateurs and the Wireless Institute of Australia have formed a bond following mutual involvement in the centenary of ANZAC 2014. The UBA joined the commemoration with a station and callsign prefixes. And throughout Australia, including the Antarctic and Norfolk Island, the WIA had Anzac suffix callsigns to commemorate the occasion. Lest we forget. Across Australia, from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service which can be heard in the ACT and Canberra region through our Mount Janini repeaters on 146.950 and 438.050 every Sunday at 0900 local. On behalf of the Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club broadcast team, this is Amanda, BK1WX. WIA submission to the ACMA Interference Management Review. The WIA is concerned that the risk of interference to amateur communications may be considered low by the Australian Communications and Media Authority when compared to other radio communications or telecommunications services. 
the WIA makes this point in a submission to the ACMA that is reviewing its interference management principles. The WIA advocates assurance within the principles that the move to a market-based approach to the interference resolution will not disadvantage the amateur service or other not-for-profit services. Any relaxation or breach of the electromagnetic compliance framework or electromagnetic interference management would have a very detrimental effect on the low signal level communications abilities of we radio amateurs. The WIA was disappointed to see the ACMA use the public benefit metric to justify a relaxation in interference standards recently for PLT-BPL modems. It hopes this will not be extended to other recognised potential interference sources such as lead lighting, switch mode power supplies, inverters, solar power installations or for that matter wireless power transfer installations for transport applications. The radio communications community observes that the noise floor across the radio frequency spectrum is rising due to the proliferation of electronic and electrotechnical services. The WIA is keen to ensure the ACMA continue to regulate supply of equipment and pursue spectrum management practices to minimise such pollution. The full submission, of course, is on the WIA website, wia.org.au. We have just concluded the September board meeting of the WIA. The board meets formally every month over two days to work through a number of agenda items, including approval of new members, dealing with detailed financial reports, as well as considering ways to improve our hobby and the WIA organisation itself. You have recently heard from board member Greg VK2GPK on the decisions we have made to improve the viability of AR magazine and about the finances of the WIA. This month, we approved some special events that will be held next year. We considered how we might better handle the bookshop and we heard from proponents about a proposed AGM and conference, the details of which are likely to be announced very soon. The board has also been reviewing the makeup of some of our committees. Some new appointments have been made to these committees. The board has also taken the decision to upgrade the current web presence. The current WIA website is very reliable but has become a monster. It is made up of several thousand pages and the upgrade and conversion will be a mammoth task. The board recognises that the upgrade project will need significant resources to see the task through to completion, a task that is likely to take more than a year to complete. We will soon be advertising for volunteers with demonstrated experience in website design and maintenance to join the IT Services Committee. This whole project will need to be carefully considered and managed to completion to ensure ongoing reliability of the new website as well as minimising the downtime of the existing site. So the work of the WIA board is ongoing. I've just heard back from the Alara meeting Cairns. I hear it went off with a bang. It is really great to see so many lady amateurs get together in this male-dominated hobby. I honestly hope and seriously encourage some of our female members to consider standing for the forthcoming WIA board election that is to be held early next year. This will add some gender diversity to the WIA board. So come on, ladies. This is Peter Cleave, VK8ZZ. Thank you for listening. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, WIA Local News Service VK7, VK3 Papa Charlie and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. IARU Region 1 General Conference looks to the future. After five days of discussions on the realities needed to protect our spectrum, as well as addressing the declining numbers of active radio amateurs, the 24th IARU Region 1 General Conference has closed in Germany. The delegates from Europe, Africa, Middle East and Northern Asia reviewed strategy finances and membership. Also in attendance were representatives from Region 2 and Region 3 and the IARU Administrative Committees. It had reports from committees, working groups and coordinators, including EMC Political Relations, Emergency Communications, Youth, ARDF and the development of amateur radio in developing countries. Attention was focused on spectrum development and protection via International Telecommunications Union, meetings with the SEPT and the World Radio Communications Conference in 2018, space and high-speed telegraphy. The conference also reviewed policy in the key spectrum areas of LF, HF, VHF, UHF and microwave. Discussions covered a range of areas including band planning, contest, remote working and innovative developments in the areas of satellite and digital TV. The highest recognition that IARU Region 1 can award, the Roy Stevens G2BVN Memorial Trophy, went to Colin Thomas, Golf 3 Papa Sierra Mike, for his outstanding contribution to amateur radio and the IARU over several decades. At the IARU Region 1 Gala Dinner, Dennis Green Zulu Sierra 4 Bravo Sierra was awarded the IARU Region 1 Medal for his contribution to the IARU as Secretary of the Region for two terms. A new nine-member executive committee was elected for 2017 to 2020, who, under President Don Beatty, Golf 3 Bravo Juliet, take up their roles at the end of October. Still in Europe, we hear that Team Belarus has topped the field at the 2017 high-speed telegraphy competition in Hungary. In addition, team member Stan Echo Whiskey 8 Golf Sierra set a world record in the male category on RUFZXP call sign recognition competition with a speed of 943 characters a minute. The 14th high-speed telegraphy world championships involved participants from 19 nations and three continents registered to take part in the event. In second place was Team Russia, while Team Romania placed third. The ESME Foundation has announced that it has made a grant to ARRL's Handmade Fund in support of the amateur radio response to the recent hurricanes in the US and Caribbean. The Handmade Fund was created in 2005 in response to the need for equipment and resources to support the amateur radio response to Hurricanes Katrina, Rita and Wilma. Handmade equipment is available on loan to amateur radio organisations during disaster response when communications equipment is unavailable. The ASME Foundation is a not-for-profit corporation organised to conduct scientific and educational projects related to amateur radio, including DXing and the introduction and promotion of amateur radio in developing countries. Brian Lloyd, Whiskey Bravo 6, Romeo, Quebec, November, the Texas aviator who recently circumnavigated the globe following Amelia Earhart's path, is spearheading Dominica Airlift, Angels to Eden, to aid residents of the storm-stricken Caribbean island nation. Lloyd learned this week, however, that the relief situation on Dominica is improving, but he added even with the international relief from NGOs starting to come in, the EOC asked Lloyd and his airlift volunteers to come to Dominica to help. Pilots with small aircraft are still needed, 
we have lots of people who want to donate supplies, but without the airlift going, the supplies can't get to Dominica. But the reception was great. There are ham radio licences, and there are marriage licences. Jeremy Boot, Golf 4 November Juliet Hotel, had a story recently in Amateur Radio Newsline about what happens when the two converge. Congratulations to M0NFE and M6YAX, which is Nick and my Brit. Now, Mr and Mrs, officially, as of Saturday, September the 16th, their wedding in Essex was followed by some exceptionally festive partying at Hawkwell Village Hall, thanks to some clever Linux programming written by the groom, who's also a software developer. Nick's code was designed to operate some of the wedding attractions with prompts both in English and German to make things easier for his bride's friends and his new in-laws. The wedding unexpectedly turned into a minor rescue mission, the kind that amateurs of course are accustomed to. An hour before the wedding, fellow Essex Ham Club member Pete Sippel, M0PSX, received a call from Nick that there was no internet connection at the venue, so the club loaned Nick its portable Wi-Fi hotspot and wedding bells were soon ringing. Pete and his wife Sarah, M6PSK, were among the happy guests. As for the newlyweds, they may not have spent their wedding day talking on air, but clearly they spent it dancing on air. Ham Radio Operational News. It's a contact sport. I'm Felix VK4FUQ. All major Australian contest rules and results are on the contest section of the WIA website. Major contests left in 2017 include November CQ WWDX CW contest in November 26-27. Running all year till December 31 Victorian Local Government Award 2017 Challenge with another contest being postponed. The North American SSB Sprint Contest, the original schedule for this weekend, has been postponed and will be rescheduled for a later date. Our thoughts and wishes for an effective and orderly recovery from the recent weather events in the Caribbean and southern US and the earthquake activity in Mexico have prompted us to postpone this weekend's contest, said North American SSB Sprint Committee Chairman Bob Hayes, KW8N. As much as many may enjoy this contest and we were looking forward to participating in it this weekend, it is necessary and appropriate to give wide berth to the health and welfare communications now taking place on the amateur bands. We encourage all amateur radio operators to assist or donate to the recovery efforts through appropriate aid organisations. VK100WA cards now in the post. For a century, the WA had the call sign VK100WA and thought that all QSL requests had been processed. However, a batch of about 40 prepaid QSLs has been found. The WA apologised for the delay, but has now put those VK100 WA direct cards in the post. The well-travelled expeditioner Stan LZ1GC makes another trip to the Pacific and will operate as H40GC from Nando Island from September 30th to the 20th of October. The QDH is in the Timudu province of the Solomon Islands and counts as a separate entity for the DXCC award. The IOTA reference number is OC100. Vietnam Veteran Memorial Special Event. Look for Special Event Station WOW to be active between November the 10th and the 12th. Francois FT3 Wales on the Dumont Urval Research Station, Petrol's Island in Antarctica for a one-year stay. He has been issued with the call sign FT3YL, which is valid until the 1st of February 2018. He will be on the air when possible during his spare time and his QSL manager is F6KPQ. Indian Ocean 6 meters EME expeditions. Lance W7GJ will be active from the Indian Ocean to focus on 6 Minazimi QSOs. Christmas on as VK9XGJ between October the 2nd and the 18th. Hong Kong celebrates with a VR20 prefix, commemorating the 20th anniversary of Hong Kong's reunification with China, 
Hong Kong licensed radiometers are allowed to use the special prefix VR20 on a voluntary basis to the 3rd of June 2018. For VK1WA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hi, I'm Brian, VK3GR with Worldwide Special Interest Group News, this week beginning with ATV and Fade to Black. Goodbye to the home of VK3RTV. The repeater, VK3RTV, that serves Melbourne and Geelong with digital television is closing but is looking for a new home. It began in September 1978 and by 1981 moved to Mount Dandenong at the Alinda site. There it had black and white converted to colour, then in June 2009 went digital as commercial stations were coming to grips with the then new technology. It has been the centrepiece of the popular annual World Digital ATV QSO parties. The ATV gang are thinking how to mark the decommissioning occasion and VK3RTV will later this year undergo experiments from potential other sites. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier and Air Force Academy satellite, FalconSat-3, is now open for amateur radio use as a digital store-and-forward system. FalconSat-3 was built in 2005 and 2006 by cadets and faculty in the Space Systems Research Center at the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs and launched in 2007 on an Atlas V. After serving in scientific and training roles, the Academy has now made the satellite available for amateur radio use. The satellite is in a 35.4 degree inclination orbit with an approximate altitude of 465 to 476 kilometres. The packet bulletin board system is operating at 9600 board with a 145.840 uplink and 435.103 downlink. Output power is at 1 watt and the downlink is continuously on. Digipeding is enabled for live QSOs, but unattended digipeding operations is not authorised at this time. Now, Worldwide Special Interest Group's Maritime Bellina Marine Rescue Visit last Saturday, 23rd of September, saw 10 Summerland members arriving at the new Bellina Marine Rescue Building for a tour, presented by Bernie Wills, VK2WJ, who is one of their operators, as well as being a WIA ham radio assessor. After an introductory session, they went upstairs to the lookout room with panoramic views to the ocean and up the river. Bernie showed how the fairly sophisticated radio system operates. The system works with the Marine Rescue app for mobile devices and is linked to Sydney HQ, with all transmissions being automatically logged. There are also standalone backup radios for VHF and HFCB in a desk mount box. Now Worldwide Special Interest Group's Radio Amateur Old Timers. Hello everyone, this is Clive, VK6CSW, with the usual reminder that the Radio Amateurs Old Timers Club of Australia's monthly bulletin goes to air tomorrow. This month, as well as all the latest club news, we tell how, in the 1920s, two amateurs persuaded the RAF to change from longwave to shortwave communications, and how, in the 1950s, amateurs were instrumental in getting the US Air Force to change from AM to SSB. And Ian tells us about osteoarthritis. Everyone's most welcome to tune in and to join in the callbacks afterwards. The broadcast originates in Melbourne on the VK3REC 2-metre repeater at 10am Melbourne time, with simultaneous relays on 40 metres on 7060 kHz 
and on 1825 kHz. At 0100 UTC for Eastern States listeners, Hans VK5YX will transmit the program on 20 meters on 14.150 MHz. At 0200 UTC, for West Australian listeners, the program is transmitted simultaneously on 7088 kHz and via the linked repeater network. At night, the broadcast is repeated at 2030 hours Melbourne time on 80 metres on 3650 kHz and in Tasmania at 19.30 on the VK7RAA and VK7RTC networks plus a TV presentation by Tony VK7AX at 20.30 hours Tasmanian time. For full details, visit the club website www.raotc.org.au Thanks to Clive VK6CSW. Once again, tune in tomorrow for the October RAOTC Bulletin. Now, Worldwide Special Interest Groups Radio Scouting. If you can help out with any scout groups in Townsville region, then please contact local JODA coordinator Richard VK4FRJG 0400-339-543 is your contact, and that's also in the text edition. To Worldwide Special Interest Groups Rescue Radio, search for VHMDX finalised for 2017. This year's final planned search and rescue exercise, a SARAX, based around the missing aircraft VHMDX, was conducted on 15 through 17 of September. Personnel from Bush Search and Rescue New South Wales, NSW Ambulance, Police Rescue, Central Coast Volunteer Rescue Association, New South Wales Rural Fire Service, New South Wales State Emergency Service and Wyson New South Wales joined forces in the Gloucester Tops area to practice land search skills while continuing the search for the missing plane. Wyson New South Wales provided the communication support for this exercise using a mixture of amateur and commercial frequencies on HF, VHF and UHF. Envis HF continues to prove its worth in the deep valleys around Gloucester Tops and for longer hops to Sydney. Where terrain permits, search teams use more convenient VHF DMR portable radios to maintain management and safety communications with the command centre. Weissen radio operators were kept busy with a number of simulated fines along with simulated medical emergencies. Weissen DMR portable radios with integrated GPS allowed the progress of search teams to be tracked. Research to narrow down the size of the likely endpoint of the flight of VHMDX will continue. This weekend marked the third and final effort for this year. Weissen members are already looking forward to next year's challenges. And that's all I've got for this week. I'm Brian, VK3GR, signing off. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Now we are going to leave you this week with a very special rewind, a look at Australia's first amateur radio satellite. And in fact, it was only the fifth radio satellite ever made by ham radio operators worldwide. But on the social scene, it's a big hello this weekend to everybody in the VK4 Cardwell area. It's the VK4 Cardwell Gathering. Happened at the 29th of September to October 2. And in VK3, it's the Yarra Valley Amateur Radio Group's Hamfest. That happens October 29. October 29, 10am at the Gary Cooper Pavilion, Yarra Glen. I'm Graham, VK4BB. Rewind.
This is AX3WI with the Australis Oscar broadcast. As I said, I had this idea that, you know, after all this time, is it going to work? What happens if it doesn't? What damn fools will we'll seem to be? T minus five, four, three, two, one, and lift off. This is uh, AX3WI with the Australian, with Victorian cabbage of the Australis We were waiting and waiting, and we knew it must have been almost overhead, and we, you know, nobody had heard it here. Everything's okay. Telemetries, uh, telemetry signals are all reading nominally. Uh, DJ4ZC has tracked the satellite on 29.45. And suddenly, out of the setting, did it, did it, and it was, it was there, it was working. The launch of Australis Oscar 5 was recalled at a book launch last week. Australia's first homegrown satellite was built in 1966, then sent to the USA for launch, but, unfortunately, this did not take place until January 1970 on a Delta rocket from the Vandenberg Air Force Base, California. From Vandenberg Air Force Base in California, this is Delta Launch Control at T-minus 1 hour, 49 minutes, 16 seconds and counting. Australis Oscar 5, or AO5, was the product of a keen group of enthusiasts from Melbourne University, together with a number of local radio amateurs and the WIA providing some assistance, finance and guidance. Let's hear now from the late Bill Rice, VK3ABP, the Victorian coordinator for tracking and long-time amateur radio magazine editor. It was not launched until the 23rd of January 1970 following the formation of the MSAT organisation, which took over the responsibilities of the by-then-defunct Oscar Association. Oscar V had no translator facility, but did carry the most elaborate telemetry system of any amateur satellite to that time. Telemetry was transmitted on 144.05 MHz and also on 29.45 MHz. The latter transmitter could be commanded off and on by ground stations, and this was done on several occasions, mostly by VK3ZBJ, who had built the command receiver for the satellite. A book on those times was launched before a number of guests, including the WIA, in the very building where the Melbourne University Astronautical Society met to discuss the possibility of a satellite and then building it. Introducing the book author, Dr Owen Mace, was original satellite team member Richard Tonkin. We were a group of very young, I was 22, and I was considered the old man of the team. We were science engineering and one law student, myself, and a talented amateur radio operator, Liz Jenkins, who happened to come together to try to build a satellite, to try to get it launched into space and to have it work. This was just eight years after Sputnik. Nobody had built a satellite in Australia, nobody knew how to. One of our team, in fact, was instructed by his professor not to do it. Stop this silly satellite stuff, he said, um, in no uncertain terms to his students. So we just got on with it. Dr Mace then gave some background to the Astronautical Society and the development of Australia's first built satellite. The WIA was represented at the launch. Um, it's very appropriate that uh, this uh, book launch t- is carried out in this building because this is where... Australis was born, really. Uh, it was very much the centre of, of uh, what went on. To make some measurements on one of the systems, the stabilisation system, and we needed a well-equipped laboratory to do so. 
So that was fine, Jim. Can we, no, Mr. Potter? Can we use your laboratory to put maybe? Certainly not a problem. So I was dressed in shorts and thongs. Now that was very much against the rules uh, that one would dare to even contemplate uh, doing some electronic measurements in heaven forbid shorts. So I was thoroughly uh, bollocked by um, by Jim uh, to uh, and that this was quite inappropriate. WIA historian Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, says we are aware that many, many radio amateurs were involved, a few on the design side, others associated with command, and many with tracking it during its six-week life. These included Les Jenkins, VK3ZBJ, Michael Owen, VK3KI, David Rankin, VK3QV, Ray Norton, VK3ATN, and Bill Rice, VK3ABP, all silent keys. There were also many local Australian, Japanese, New Zealander and Malaysian coordinators and some recordings have been taken of the AO5 telemetry. A story is being prepared by the WIA historian for Amateur Radio magazine and we thank Jim Linton, VK3PC, for the sound bites, along with Vimeocom, who have some excellent background and audio of the original launch. An event which mostly went unnoticed was in Adelaide last Wednesday. It was a presentation called How We Built Australia's First Satellite, again by none other than Richard Tonkin and Dr Owen Mace. Those who were lucky enough to have been notified heard how two young university students in the 1950s, fascinated with space, built Australia's first satellite in the 1960s, launched in the 1970s. WI carrying a transmission of the Australis Oscar 5 project. It's now a project. It's no longer a launch. It's uh, successful. <laughs> you know, all, all this pent-up sort of excitement of, uh, of, uh, that had been building up for, well, for years. Uh, suddenly, it was in orbit. It was working. It was, um, it was amazing. It's, it's, it's succeeded. We'd done it.